I just want to say uh, thank you for welcoming me here. Uh, my name again is Ray Jarrett, and uh, I am a, oh wait, that's the wrong meeting. Um, no, no. So the other one though is, here's, here's my favorite, and, th and I, I want a show of hands. So I'm just going to try to see if I can relate with you guys. I can eat 50 eggs. <laughs> who knows what movie that comes from? My man, who, what, who? Cool Hand Luke. Now you have homework. You have to go watch Cool Hand Luke. So, all right. Hey, you all are so blessed. I just love uh, Pastor Nate. You are, you are just a wonderful, wonderfully blessed congregation to have him as your pastor. Let's give him and that worship team, awesome worship team, a hand. All right. So um, I want to get started. Before I get started, I want to introduce you all to my lovely wife. Uh, I know that I've outkicked my punt coverage. Uh, honey, could you stand up? And my son came today, RJ. All right. I'll tell you a funny story. Um, uh, I, as, I, as Nate mentioned, I'm the executive director of Unite KC. I'll tell you a little bit about that. But Dayton Moore started this organization uh, two and a half years ago. And I remember as, um, you know, I'm, I'm running around meeting people. We're a faith-based organization. We believe in grassroots and we're action-based. You know, the, the problems that exist in society uh, that are racially motivated, you know, we could talk about them and we can yell at each other and scream, but what we're dedicated to doing is to bring in harmony and unity. And so I meet Dayton and I'm starting to work with him. And then we have a, 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 an executive meeting and my wife is actually one of the leaders in Unite KC. So we go to this meeting and Dayton's there and we're sitting there talking and my wife comes up and, and Dayton goes, hey, oh, I'm glad you could come. Is this your daughter? <laughs> and I said, uh, okay. So I, I think my wife takes some kind of pill every year that makes her look younger and younger. And, I, and I'm doing, I'm taking a pill too. I just don't know what to, <laughs> what to think about that. But at any rate, I'm glad that, I'm glad she's my wife. So how's that? All right, well, let's talk about tension. I've got... Um, I want to go ahead and start by uh, letting you know um, that this is not my first time at this wonderful, wonderful place. Um, but I want to tell you how I met your pastor. So there was this thing called the Sankofa trip. And if you put up the first slide, you can see that there is, this is a story of three guys and two seats. So on this trip, we had to ride a bus overnight and uh, I thought it was going to be this big, huge luxury bus, you know, where you can put your legs. It wasn't. It was the same kind of bus that you ride when you're in high school, you know, and you're going on a trip to, to go play soccer or basketball or football. Anyway, so the guy, on, uh, the guy that you see that's not your pastor, his name's Bill, and he's a pastor. He, he pastors up in, in uh, Colorado, and he was my partner, okay? Now, everybody had to have a partner. And so your pastor's partner didn't show up. Said something about, you know, I'm scared of Bill. You know, he's scared of Nate, you know, and I don't know what to do. So uh, we, we showed up, your pastor, he was in the corner crying, weeping, because he's <laughs> going to be by himself and everything. So Bill and I said, well, let's kind of adopt him, and he can be with us. So, but what that means is that 
there's going to be some lucky person that has a seat all to themselves so they can stretch out on the bus seat and to, and everything. So we're casting lots and we're doing rock, paper, scissors. And, and so Bill was a lucky person. And that is the moment when I knew that your pastor was a genuine man of God because he started praying, Lord, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to be trapped in this inside seat with this huge black man next to me. And what am I going to do? Is he going to take my snacks? But it was, it was great. It was really good. He was, he was good to have along. And, and that is really the story of how we started our relationship. And, and, uh, and I, I pray that it continues to grow. So <clears throat> I want to go ahead and, and get right into my three points and a closing, uh, which is the, this topic of tension. So the tension topic this week is one we rarely talk about. And it's, but it's going to bring clarity and focus to our Christian life. So we can advance a slide. And it's about death, but death and life. So the first thing that I want to bring up is point number one is that we don't often talk about death. So my death experiences, uh, you know, when I look back on them, they actually help shape what, I mean, it, it was just, it fits perfectly into what we're going to talk about this morning. So my, I was a third grade, second grade, so I was seven or eight years old, and my Sunday school teacher was uh, just one of the kids' favorites. We just loved her, and we loved her. And to explain why we loved her so much uh, involves me giving you an inside um, track. Uh, I'm going to give you some privileged information. It's secret, and you may not have known it, but all those rumors about black church, especially back then, were true. It was forever Oh, my goodness. I didn't even know that Sunday afternoon uh, sports existed until, <laughs> until I was a teenager. I mean, it was it just long, really long services. But she was, she was our savior because at Sunday school, she would bring snacks. So that could tide you over. So we had crackers and potted meat and spam and cookies and juice and milk. You know, all, all the stuff that is a nutritionist, <laughs> a nutritional... <laughs> So, but at any rate, um, I got the news that she passed away. And so, my viewpoint of death at that point, even though I'm raised in a Christian home, and as I'll tell you later, went to Christian high school, I just didn't see how this was a good thing at all. It was, you know, you started, you got over here, and you died, and, and it was just, it was horrible. Everybody was grief-stricken, people missed you, and, you know, we just, I just didn't understand you know, they told us that she was going to be with the Lord in heaven, but, you know, it, it was something definitely for me to fear. And, you know, I had nightmares and everything for a couple of weeks. But fast forward that to high school, and I met a guy in seventh grade, and his name was the same as mine. It was Raymond Templeton. And Raymond uh, and I played chess nearly every day, every day. And so, um, but Raymond had leukemia. He was really a lot smaller than the rest of us. And he used to talk about death fearlessly. I mean, he knew that he was not going to have a long life. And so, sure enough, I moved to a different Christian school, and I got the word that Raymond had passed away. And so we'd go and we'd gather at, uh, at his service. And, uh, and there was another classmate of mine who felt called into the ministry, and he gave Raymond's eulogy. And it was at that time, and I can't believe, as I look back, that I knew so little about death and, 
and, and what it meant to the believer. But he talked about Raymond's existence after he left this, this physical body and what joy he had in the presence of our Lord. And he talked about, you know, us living forever with Jesus. And I, and I got this revelation that, oh, we were kind of like lottery winners when we were born. Because, you know, you think uh, it just kind of erased this, this concept of a linear existence that ended suddenly and, and tragically to the point that I'm going to live and I've got some choices to make between this, this point and this point, but I'm going to live forever. And, there was, and, and that is very symbolic of what we're going to talk about today. So I got into the Air Force. And, uh, and when you're in the Air Force, they give you a special duty. So they, I guess they figure, you know, you're, you're, you're gold brick in here. Your regular job is not enough. So they gave, gave us an extra duty. I got the extra duty that I got was I was on the color guard. Well, the color guard and the honor team the, the fun part was posting the colors and going to the football games and doing all of that. But the part that was, that was really helped to shape my thinking was that we also did the funeral services for, for servicemen. So, I mean, I literally have been to hundreds and hundreds of, of funerals, and I started to realize that, okay, this whole idea of death is just, it's a transition. And so... Um, the thing that I realized that Jesus was trying to get my attention about through all this was this concept that's on the screen now. And I'll tell you about what that is in just a second, but this is my second point, which means I'm halfway done. <laughs> you like that part, right? But think about this statement, you must be born again. And so Jesus said that we had to be born again. And so if, you know, if you, if you think about it, this is kind of a complex construct. And, and what I really was trying to understand, and I have to admit, when I went back and read the story about Nicodemus, everybody knows about Nicodemus coming in to talk to Jesus at night. There was this, you know, Jesus is telling him, you got to be born again. And, G and Nicodemus is this really bright guy, and he's trying to understand. And I was like, man, I'm with Nicodemus. I don't know what, you know, I don't understand either. What is, what is being born again? I mean, so, because my understanding of salvation and being a Christian was, okay, I think I'm ready to stop sinning. Okay, uh, I got to quote Romans uh, 10, 9, and 10. And then I got to try to obey all these rules and commandments, and that's, that's really what it's all about. And, and I'll try to do good somewhere in there along the road. So, but there's this concept that we have to grasp called dying to yourself. And so the hardest thing to explain to an unbeliever is being born again, especially when you don't talk about the death that we have to go through. So, you know, telling somebody, okay, are you ready to become a Christian? You have to be born again. So you have to die to yourself. Wait, wait, hey, what, what's this dying to yours? And, you know, we've got it in born and inbred in our vernacular here in America. But imagine trying to explain this concept to somebody who is from overseas, who never, they don't know anything about Jesus. They don't know anything about anything. So our will is the hardest thing to surrender and to die to. 
So we have to start looking at salvation differently. Salvation and identification with Christ starts with confession, that part we got, but dying to ourselves, okay? So it's the singular struggle that we all share. I mean, we could kind of go through and, um, you, know, you know, if Jesus was here and he could say, hey, I need you to stand up and tell everybody what your struggle is. And the one thing that we could all have in common is that we have to, we have to die to ourselves, and that's really hard to do. Really hard to do. Nobody wants to be told what to do, how to live. We're taught, be your own dog. You know, run your own show. You're the person. Think about yourself. So before I move on off this point, let's look at Scripture real quick. Romans 6 and 3. Now, you guys, I've got a, I, I thought I would bring out an old friend here. And some of you may have not ever seen one of these, but this is a Bible. <laughs> now, I, I'm just like you. I use my phone all the time. But, yeah, this, is, this was high tech. This was state of the art. This is great. So, you know, see, look, I got the little things that show you where you need to go. Okay, enough of that. Here we go. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That is, like Christ was raised up from the dead by glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. So now we're getting a bigger picture of this whole death thing that we have to go through that has nothing to do with dying. I mean, Jesus died for our sins. We don't have to do that. And you guys all get that already. So let's talk about what IWD W-I-W-D means. It means I want to do what I want to do. So, you know, if you think about this, this whole concept, okay, I've, I've accepted Christ. I'm trying to do the right thing and everything. But really, the hardest part is to not run your own show, not sit on the throne of your own life. And so that's really what's, that's the key to Christianity. It's, the, it's, what, it's what baptism's all about. You know, yes, we identify with Christ, but we also die to ourselves. And we give up our will to do what we want to do the same way Jesus gave up his will to do what he wanted to, and, 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 and just giving it up so that he could do what the Father wanted him to do. So that's what IWDWIWD stands for. And that's what we got to work on, okay? Don't, you won't ever forget that. I don't know. Just, at least I think you won't. Maybe I should just go to the next point. How's that? <laughs> okay, the, the third point is this. If you really want to live free, if you really want to experience the life that Christ had for you, then we've got, we've got something that we have to do. And so if you look at this, it's Jesus. So let me, let me just... Hit, hit, hit you this way. Jesus died for our sins. All right. What a great class. All right. And so here's the second part of that. If we follow his example, then we can be free from our And so probably the most instructive body of text that I have ever read that I like is Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And I've studied it over and over and over again because one of the things that I couldn't understand was these two concepts that they're going to put up now, which is joining Jesus in his death. What does that mean? 
Well, what does that mean? Especially if Jesus already died for me. And then second, choosing to die daily. And again, I mean, these are common phrases we've heard, but what does that really mean to die daily? You know, what do you, how do I put that into practice into my life? And so, if I look at Romans, uh, again, let's go back to our text in, in Romans 6, 6 through 8, we can tie some concepts together that are, that's really going to help us to understand this whole concept and this tension that we're talking about, which is dying to yourself. So in Romans chapter 6, again, if we look at um, starting in verse 6, we get to see something really cool. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin or practice sin. And it says in verse 6, and this is the good part, for he that is dead is freed from sin. So I was like really upset that nobody had explained this to me when I first got saved and got baptized because that's the whole idea. You mean to tell me that some of these struggles that I used to have, that I can be free from them by dying to myself? That I don't have to, I mean, yeah, okay. So when I was in the Air Force, I learned a trade. One of the, the trades I learned, you know, and I'm not talking about learning to be a computer programmer, which I love that. I'm talking about I learned how to swear by some professionals. My drill instructor put together some phrases I've never heard then and still haven't heard since. So I learned how to really cuss really well. I mean, uh, I thought I was pretty proficient. So, I mean, you know, me and my buddies... You know, what we, you know, we did all the things, you know, hit each other in the shoulder, put money in the swear jar. And so, I mean, I kind of got to do that one on my own. But I discovered there were other things that I could not be free from. And I discovered that it was because I hadn't died to myself. Because Ray was a pretty larger-than-life kind of person. And one of the major—you guys—okay, I call this having an open kimono moment. Are you ready? <laughs> She could no, we're not ready for that, right? <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, and my wife could, she's here, so I have to tell the truth. But man, giving up potato chips was the, I just, I just did, right, honey? And I know that potato chips work against the body that I'm supposed to preserve for the Lord's work. But I also had a problem with pride. I mean, I, you couldn't tell me I wasn't the smartest, the fastest, the most handsome. I mean, look, I mean, I got Lorna, you know, so, but, but it really took understanding that I had to die to myself to, to, to figure out that there were some really wonderful benefits to doing, to doing that. So it ties together all these concepts. It under, it helps us to understand Christ's death and why he had to do it. We understand our conversion. We understand the symbolic nature of baptism. And then we, then we now are ready to be introduced to this concept of dying to ourselves, which the added benefit is this freedom from sin. The Bible keeps talking about, you don't have to, you don't have to serve sin. He's not your master anymore. And I could go on and on and on. So surrendering our will is living the way God wants you to live, the same way that he had, to, Jesus had to surrender his will to live the way the Father wanted him to live. So choosing to die to ourselves comes with the added bonus of not being a slave to sin. So 
Let's go to my final point. But before I do, did I tell you that I wanted to talk about Meadowlark Lemon? I didn't tell you that, right? So I'm going to tell you about three times that I met Meadowlark Lemon. So the first time I met Meadowlark Lemon, I was in the Air Force, okay? And so he's do- we are in this little tiny town in Oklahoma, and he's riding through on a float. Now, it's not the float that you would imagine that you see on, the, like, the Macy's Day Parade. He's riding in a K car, waving at people. But I got to meet him. I was, still a, I was still a young man, maybe 20, 21 years old. And that's when I, defi- I found out. First of all, let me ask, who knows who Meadowlark Lemon is? Okay, good deal. All right. Well, he was this famous basketball player on the Harlem Globetrotters. And so I found out he was a Christian. So this was like, oh, this is so cool. All right. And so I'm going to tell you about three times I met him. So that's the first time. But Scripture shows us two major ways to practice this dying to ourselves daily. So let's look at Romans chapter 12. It's a very familiar Scripture, verse 1 and 2. I can't believe I'm using a real Bible. This is, this is awesome. Okay. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Who, who can quote that? Who can quote that for me? She's behind the glass door, so we're not going to pick you, okay? <laughs> but uh, it's very familiar. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and, not, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so we see two concepts here. The first thing that we can do is present our bodies a living sacrifice. So, you know, again, there's so many things that we could talk about. My wife is an expert uh, about body and the mechanics of it and, you know, rehabilitation of it. And I, you know, I had a good run. You know, I was an athlete for a while. But when I stopped being an athlete, Man, give me the buttered bread, give me the chips, you know, I have ribs every week. So, I mean, there's things that we can do, and I'm just talking about the part where we're eating correctly and all this other stuff. We know of other ways that we can present our bodies a living sacrifice. But haven't you ever wondered why fasting is such an important concept? Why did God pick fasting for getting, you know, setting aside food? I think he kind of knew that that was a hard thing to do. And you want to talk about dying to yourself. Man, when you get to about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, of course, people are bringing donuts that day, and you, you got Sundays, and you're driving by McDonald's. Please don't go to McDonald's. I, if you own McDonald's, I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't mean to offend anybody. So. so before I go to my second point, let's talk about the second time. Now, this, mean, this, this is going to tie together that I met Meadowlark Lemon. So I've got my family. RJ was probably only about one or two years old, and we moved out to California. And the church I went to was going through this soul-winning crusade, and we wanted to win 10,000 people to the Lord in one year. And, and I found out that by now, Meadowlark Lemon is really concerned about souls. 
And he is like this great soul winner. So he came out to speak to us and to encourage us and to see how it was going. And that was the second time I met Meadowlark Lim. Of course, I ran up to him. Mr. Meadowlark, Mr. Mel, remember me? You know, 20 years ago, and I was a kid, and it was in the Air Force. And, and he's like, oh, good to meet you. <laughs> yeah, of course I remember you. So, But now, I, it, it just occurred to me all of a sudden, this guy is doing something different than basketball. I mean, he was known all over the world. And so it was such a privilege to meet him, but that was the second time that I met Meadowlark Lemon. So cool. Now, look at the second thing that we can do when we're trying to die daily. Transform your thinking, which is actually a major tenet of Unite KC. We want people to transform the way they think. Get rid of all of these things that, that block us from having relationships and these automatic responses and different things like that. So we all know about having to wash our thoughts and transform our minds into the Word. And so, again, this does not mean giving up your will to do all these things that you want to do, that you've done. I mean, you guys have had several great careers, and you've chosen wives, and you've raised kids. And you've had, and so like I did, I, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pastor. Then I wanted to be a doctor. Then I wanted to be a preacher. Then I thought, man, I'm going to be a basketball, I'm going to be a professional basketball player. And I thought I was good until I wasn't. <laughs> and then I wanted to be a professional musician. I thought I would be the next David Sanborn. So, and then my final dream that I pursued with all my heart was to be a rich businessman. So, you know, I'm doing all these things, and these are all great things to do. But it, I really had to understand that what God was waiting for was for me to say, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll be wh what you want me to be. And he didn't make me quit all those things. As a matter of fact, I stand before you right now to tell you that through all of those things I wanted to be, and I pursued them with all my heart, I can see now how God put them all together for me to be doing what I'm doing right now. And, and, and I'm telling you what, there is no joy like waking up in the morning and going, I'm retired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I only got one boss. She's sitting over there. <laughs> but, but I can see how God used all of those passions and all of those pursuits but it really, I mean, I could always tell something was missing because I had never said, I'll do what you want. Because I was really afraid God was going to make me do what Nate does. I, man, and I see how, I'm sorry, but I see how people treat how, what Nate does. <laughs> you can, people, we can be kind of unkind to pastors, and I didn't, want, I didn't need that smoke. So, any rate, what I want to end up with this is this, is if you go to my last slide there, which is right there, what is the one thing that God is inviting you to die to this week? So you're going to get this added benefit, and I'm telling you, it's real. When I surrendered my will, not my life, I'd already done that, but my will to the Lord, man, some stuff just fell off, and it just became so easy. I just couldn't even, it was like being a world-class athlete that has been offered like a, a McDonald's cheeseburger. Sorry if I'm on McDonald's too much, but they're not going to take that. They know that they have a race to run. They have, uh, uh, they have to use their body a certain way, and they're, they're going to eat clean and take care of themselves. So there may be something that you've held on to. 
And really, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about your will. So having said that, let's all take inventory now and through the rest of the week. What is the one thing God is inviting me to give up? What one part of my will am I holding on that could keep me from being all that I could be? Hey, you guys have been great. I want to close us in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you. Your word is life to us. And us finding out that our will could be the final part that just is stopping us from being what you want us to be. Lord, we just thank you for that word and that revelation. And we examine ourselves right now. And we just submit ourselves that we can, we can actually do what you want even better if we just yield ourselves and our will to, to you. And it's, we just say this covering in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. You guys are great. Oh, that, that muted applause is because I did not finish my task. You want to hear about the third time I met Metalark, right? All right. Let's do this. So the last time that I met Metalark Lemon was at our church. My son is a professional, or he's just retired from being a professional basketball player, and his coach was uh, one of uh, Metalark Lemon's um, teammates. And so Coach Gator Rivers was his coach for years, and um, he, so Metalark comes to the church and the school that we're going to just for a visit, and this time he remembered me. I said, Metalark, Metalark, it's me, Ray Jarrett. And he goes, this kid is crazy. I don't know what I'm, but, but that was the last time I met him. But let me tell you why this, it's so significant to me. I, I take selfies and stuff, but I don't really post a lot of that because it reminds me of being a person who collected autographs. And his autograph is the only one that I collected and kept. And I'm going to show it to you. <sighs> this, this makes me, chokes me up because my son got a chance to play with Meadowlark Lemon before he died. But, and so this is the only autograph I have. It's to Lorna and Ray, and it's from Meadowlark Lemon. And, and when you talk to him, when, when I talk to him, Meadowlark Lemon personified this dying to self because he, he was instrumental in so many people coming to the Lord. But he talked extensively about dying to the fame, dying to the money, and doing what God wanted him to do. So there's a key element why I'm challenging you, is that no matter how far you've come, if your will is still, I want to do what I want to do, you may never get to do the second part of what every Christian is called to do, and that's affect the world for Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. Love you, man. I want to invite our prayer team up at this time. If there's a need in your life you'd like someone to pray with you about, we want to encourage you to come up and uh, let that need, let that concern, that, that pressure on your life, just let someone pray with you about it today so you don't have to walk out of here carrying it alone. If you're uh, newer to the church, maybe this is your first Sunday, just want to encourage you to stop by the connection wall out in the lobby. Uh, we've got a little gift for you to say thanks for being with us this morning. If you'll stop by there, uh, we'd love to give that to you today. As you go with the Lord, uh, drop those connection cards and any offering you have in the joy boxes in the back.
That's right, we celebrate generosity here. And uh, as you go, may you know that you go with God and the God of creation is with you, for you, walking with you. Go and share his light with your family, with your neighbors, those you work with, those you go to school with. Let his light shine out of your life. We'll see you next Sunday. Amen.